In this episode, we get introduced to Boaz and his amazing character, but we also get to see Ruth's character being fleshed out more. And there's something that's sitting under the surface that gives us a window into something that changes the storyline. It's had a huge impact on my life, and I believe it can have a huge impact on your life as well. Hey friends, welcome to the teaching series. We're so glad that you're listening. This podcast is the audio version of our highly visual video series that you can find on our website, walkingthetext.com, or on our YouTube channel at Walking the Text. You know, the Bible can be difficult to understand, and that confusion typically happens when we read the Bible without understanding its context. Well, that's why we create resources like this to help you understand the Bible in its original context so that you can learn, love, and live it out every day. Brad Gray is our teacher for this episode today, and we know that with a growing understanding of biblical context, you'll be reading the Bible with greater clarity and confidence than ever before. So with that in mind, let's jump in. All right, friends, we're jumping right back into this series on Ruth, this amazing book in the Hebrew Scriptures. And we're coming off of a wonderful teaching that Brad did on clinging to community. One of the most seminal moments in the book of Ruth is that you have Ruth clinging to Naomi and saying, I am with you to the end. And Naomi, though, is still struggling. And this is just part of the grieving process. She is moving through it. She's still in the stage of being angry and upset. And we see that because at the end of chapter one, she said to the people of Bethlehem, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Now, Naomi means pleasant or pleasant one. She says, don't call me pleasant. In fact, call me Mara, which means in Hebrew, bitter. And then you see that playing out as she says, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And then we move to the next verse. She continues by saying, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Just notice, she says, has brought me back empty. And I just wonder in this moment what Ruth was thinking. She has just given up everything to come alongside of Naomi. And Naomi is not empty, but that's how she feels. And as Brad mentioned in the previous episode, evil wants to make you believe that in your hardship, you're all alone. She's not. Ruth is right alongside of her. And so it has kind of this, this, this dark, this dismal kind of feel towards the end of chapter one. And the last verse, though, of chapter one dips us into a sense of hope because we read, so Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, on an agricultural calendar that may look familiar to some of you, we originally talked about this in Characters of Christmas around the shepherds, is that you have the plowing and sowing season in the late fall and barley and wheat are planted at the same time. 
But then barley heads first because it only needs eight inches of rain. Wheat comes after it, needs 12 inches of rain. And so if it's the beginning of the barley harvest, we're dealing probably somewhere in the beginning of April. And because this is the first thing to come to fruition by way of field crops or even orchard crops, it was a symbol of greater things that was to come. And so there is hope on the scene because the barley harvest is underway. And then as we move into chapter two, we read, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So we are now introduced to the character of Boaz. And the first thing that we are told, other than he is a relative, is that he is a worthy man. In Hebrew, this phrase is gibor hayil, and it can be translated as a mighty man, as in being wealthy, and some translations do that. But more than not, scholars believe it's the other parts of what this phrase can mean that is intended here in Ruth 2. A man of standing, a man of valor, or a man of noble character. We are told this is a good man. And we're told that his name is Boaz. Now, we've mentioned throughout the series that names play into the storyline. And so we have said that Ruth means friend, as we looked at some of these other names as well. And now we get to add another one to the list. It is Boaz, whose name means in him is strength. What a great name, right? What a great meaning. And some of you may go, well, Boaz, yeah, I know from Ruth, but there's also another connection in the Hebrew scriptures. Yes, in one other place, in Solomon's temple, that the two pillars at the entryway were called Yaakin and Boaz. And so you have this even in the temple, just the strength and the idea around what Boaz means. And then we read, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. So Ruth recognizes that Naomi is later in life. She doesn't have the capacity to do hard labor. But Ruth says, I am willing to do the hard work to provide for you and to provide for me. And the word that is used here is that she is gonna go and she is going to glean. Now, the process of gleaning entails after the reapers have been going through the field and cutting the sheaves of grain and pulling them and bringing them into stalks, some fall by the wayside, some don't get collected, some don't get picked up, and the process of gleaning was that people could come into the field and pick up the leftovers in order to have what they need. And that is what she is referring to. And it's in the midst of her doing this that we read that Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. So first words on Boaz's lips, the Lord be with you. It's just a warm, tender moment that again, we see the character of Boaz being seen. But it continues because Boaz wants to inquire of the new person that is in the field. And so Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman 
who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, meaning what Ruth had said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has remained from the morning until now. She has been sitting in the house for a little while. Now, this reference to she has been in the house, don't think she's sitting in the air conditioning. They didn't have that in the ancient world. This is actually a reference to little tent-like structures that they built where during the heat of the day, during the you know respite time period or a siesta, if you will, she's just sitting under like an outdoor covering that's providing some shade. So she has been working throughout the morning. Boaz recognizes her and he begins to inquire of her. Now, what's so compelling about this is one, that Ruth is willing to jump in and do the work that is necessary, but also that she has the capacity to glean. Because what we find in the Torah are a series of passages where God commands his people to allow those who are in need to be able to glean in the fields. And as you'll recall, the story of Ruth is taking place during the time of the judges, where everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. It is an ugly, bloody, chaotic, dark time in Israelite history, and the word of God is being rejected left and right. And yet, based on what we see in Boaz's field, is that he is a man of God's word. He is actually living out the instructions that God commanded his people to do. And so you see that this has gotta be somewhere in his heritage line, that this has just been part of what his family does because people aren't walking around you know, with scrolls of God's word in their satchel or their backpack. They didn't do that. The word of God was passed down through generations. It was passed down orally. Yes, there are scrolls, but nobody has their own copy. But clearly the word of God has taken root in Boaz's life because we see God's commandments being played out in this story. And you can check these out on your own time, but I do wanna show you Deuteronomy 24, 19 because this is what it says. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be the foreign, for, for the foreigner and think immigrant, think sojourner there, the fatherless and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And these were the three most vulnerable groups in the ancient world. Was the foreigner, the immigrant, the sojourner, the fatherless, as well as the widow. And in this story, Ruth actually checks off two boxes that we know for certain. Now, when you get to this place in Deuteronomy, you recall that there is an earlier passage in Deuteronomy that talks about the heart of God in connection to these people groups and why God commands his people to live into this type of behavior. And you see here in Deuteronomy 10, 18 to 19, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner, giving him food and clothing. Love the foreigner, therefore, for you are foreigners in the land of Egypt. And that is precisely what Boaz is doing. And you just see that there is an empathy to Boaz, not only in just his care and concern that you see with Ruth, but there may also be something in his own story that has enabled him to be someone who is empathetic towards the foreigner. 
Uh, we don't get this in the book of Ruth. We don't get this anywhere in the Older Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, but we've got a reference in a genealogy in Matthew chapter one to Boaz's family where a new detail is given. Just notice this. And Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Now, if this is the Rahab, from the time period of the conquest, which puts us in right at the beginning time of the judges, it fits into the time period of Ruth. This is the prostitute in Jericho, a Canaanite who helped God's people and then became part of God's family. And she's actually held up as a model of righteousness in the letter of James chapter two. And if this is in fact Rahab from the Hebrew scriptures, if this is in fact, you know, his mother and not just someone that's connected to the family line, then perhaps part of Boaz's empathy towards Ruth is to recognize that's my mother's story as well. Okay, it's, it's something to consider. But you see that there is an empathy to Boaz and you also see here in the story that there's a work ethic to Ruth. And this is really what compels me that I want to center the rest of our time around is just this character quality of Ruth to be in the field, to be gleaning and to do the work. Now recognize she doesn't just do this for a morning. In fact, at the end of chapter two, we read this astounding statement. So she kept close to the young men of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So it's not just a morning at the beginning of the barley harvest, and then she gets Boaz's attention, and then she's done. She goes through the barley harvest, she goes through the wheat harvest, probably through the month of May. She is in the fields gleaning to provide for Naomi and to also provide for herself. And in doing so, she wins over Boaz in the process. In fact, as a result of just the empathy and compassion that Boaz keeps showing to Ruth, there is a moment in chapter two where Ruth says, why are you treating me with such kindness? And notice Boaz's response. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Boaz says, I am compelled by you. I am compelled by your character. I am compelled by your work ethic. I'm compelled by your chesed, your covenantal faithful love to Naomi to give up everything and to come and be a part of a people that wasn't your own. And you go, what a powerful statement that Boaz makes. And then some of us are going, wow, that sounds a lot like what Abraham did. In Genesis 12, 1, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And we know that Abram went, he did that. And so even though Ruth is a Moabitess, like she is living into like the quality and the impulse of Abraham to be able to go to a place she doesn't know in order to be faithful what she believes she is called to do. And so she wins over Boaz in the process. But what's more, in chapter three, Boaz will say to her, and now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. He's like, everybody knows your story. Everybody understands what you are like. 
what your character is, your work ethic, and they are compelled by you as well. You have won over the entire village. Again, astounding that she's a Moabitess, an enemy of Israel in the minds of lots of people, and she's won everyone over. And I love what then Boaz says next, and this is where I wanna lock in. May the Lord reward your work, and may your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He says, may the Lord reward your work. That when Boaz just surveys who Ruth is, he's like, woman, you've got a work ethic. And it stems from your character and you've compelled an entire village. May God reward you for that work. Work ethic is a significant part of the story. And it's been a significant part of my story because of something my dad did for me when I was in the eighth grade. Um, I loved sports, basketball was my thing, and I had experienced some success at that point. But I had some big goals and dreams and aspirations, and I remember on a particular day that in the most compassionate way possible, my dad pulled me aside. And he said, Brad, what I'm about to tell you is not gonna change my love or how proud I am of you. But he said, I know what kind of goals you have and what you want to be able to accomplish. And in love and truth, I wanna share with you that your current work ethic is not going to enable you to do what you wanna do. You have to make a decision. Do you really wanna work hard to be able to accomplish these things? Because if so, you need to ratchet up your work ethic. Otherwise, you won't ever get to where you wanna go. And I remember, again, that being a moment just laced in compassion, but full of truth. And I look back on that day where my work ethic changed. Changed for basketball, changed for school, changed for what God has allowed to become of my life, and recognizing that when you have a great work ethic, you actually are putting yourself in a path of blessing. And that the challenge I believe for us and just watching this story unfold is, is how are we putting ourselves in a path of blessing? And we do that through working hard, having a really good work ethic. But it's not about working tirelessly. It's not about becoming a workaholic. It's also about working smart. That we work hard, we work smart, we engage in best practices. We also engage in rest. We recognize that rest is not a reward, it's the engine for the best work that we have the capacity to do. And what's more, that we work hard, we work smart, and we do it with integrity. And when we are doing that, we are putting ourselves in a place of blessing because we are giving God something to bless, to work with. And we actually did an entire teaching on this in episode 130, and you can go check that out. But when we are putting ourselves in a path of blessing, when we are doing these things, we give God something to bless, we give God something to work with. And when we are doing it right, we can release the results to God and recognize we've done our part and whatever God wants to do, God can do by way of blessing in return. And so may you consider 
how you can put yourself in a path of blessing. And we see in the story of Ruth, working hard is a critical component. So friends, thanks so much for watching. Thanks for engaging this series. As always, we hope that these lessons are helpful to you. And as always, that you will walk them out well in your life.